Past and Present Podcast. This is Kim Groves, hoping you've been having a lovely week. I also pray you took an opportunity to read the Book of Ruth. Today, we will be taking a look at the interior features of Solomon's Temple. We have already discussed in depth the exterior features of Solomon's Temple, as well as the architectural features and origins of the temple. Our source today is another article by our friend Victor Hurowitz. It is titled Inside Solomon's Temple and appeared in the April 1994 issue of Bible Review. Now, Dr. Hurwitz spends approximately the first third to one half of his article refreshing us on the architectural stylings of the exterior. He writes for the reader who may not know about the intricacies and origins of the long room temple style, the mezuzah and the doors, the entry and the courtyard. If you are a regular listener, you already are well-versed on these topics. We have also discussed the biblical descriptions of Solomon's temple. While his mention of the lack of architectural and archaeological evidence in regards to the temple construction is dated, bear in mind this article was written 25 years ago. As we just discussed the discovery of a new temple just last week, he notes that we can reconstruct a probable interior based on items and architecture discovered at other temple sites. So what do archaeologists postulate Solomon's temple looked like on the inside? Now, before that, before we explore that question, we must remember that the average Israelite was not permitted in the court of the tabernacle. Only priests were permitted in this sacred area. Lay people could approach the court with their sacrifices, and the priest would take care of it from there. Also, just before entering the tabernacle was an enormous yam, or roughly translated sea. It essentially was a water basin whose supposed function was to provide a place for the priest to wash his hands and feet prior to entering the tabernacle or approaching the altar. An additional water basin called a kior was used for washing the burnt offerings. Now we get this information based on information from excavated temple sites in Cyprus and modern day Iraq, formerly Mesopotamia. While no altar remains in the courtyard, there is reason to believe it existed. It was not the one set up by David, however. That was mentioned in 2 Samuel chapter 24. Based on a reading in 1 Kings chapter 8, it was too small, so King Ahaz had it replaced with one modeled on one he saw in Damascus. When entering the temple, one went through a doorway surrounded by four interlocking and recessed doors. Hey, here are our mezuzah. Again, based on the time when this article was written, our exemplars come from examples found in tombs from Cyprus and ivory carvings discovered in Iraq. Now, I want to give you a quick note here moving forward. I will refer to the area of Iraq by the ancient name of Mesopotamia, and this is going to maintain a more accurate physical location. So now I've given you a, a sense of Mesopotamia being what we consider modern-day Iraq. So now we have a reference moving forward and moving forward in our other podcasts when we refer to Mesopotamia, just understand we're referring to the area that we know as modern Iraq. Inside the large main room, the walls were covered floor to ceiling with cedar wood. This cedar wood was more than likely acquired from Lebanon, an area historically known for its cedar. The doors themselves and the floor was made from juniper wood. 
In the large tabernacle was an incense altar, a table for bread and bread and beverage, and ten lampstands of gold, all thought to have been made by Solomon. There were also some small golden utensils, suggesting differences between the way the rituals were conducted in the desert and the way they were conducted in the temple. Many of these instruments were considered actual like musical type instruments. The back wall was decorated differently from the other three walls, as behind it was the Holy of Holies. The entryway to the Holy of Holies was more elaborate than the entry to the temple proper. Now, as we have mentioned earlier, the Holy of Holies was a cube-shaped chamber measuring 20 cubits by 20 cubits. Using measurements for the temple at large, there exists a 10-cubit difference, which we have talked about in one of our first podcasts on this topic. The question then becomes, did one ascend stair to get into the Holy of Holies? Or did one just walk in? Was there a basement of some sort? What's the answer? Well, as in all things biblical, let's go to the source, the Bible. A reference found in 1 Kings chapter 6, verse 30, suggests the floor was gold-plated on top and underneath. Um, this suggests the existence of a basement of sorts. This would require steps leading up to the chamber, but there is no mention of one, nor any archaeological evidence of steps. Ezekiel's temple also had no steps, as written in Ezekiel chapter 41, verse 3. These facts seem to indicate no steps existed, even though there is evidence of a raised floor. So why the seeming discrepancy? Well, it seems to be that the text in its present form has fallen victim to human error. It's a form of textual corruption called vertical dittography. In other words, the words indicating the double-plated floor is a mistaken repetition of a nearly identical words in the previous verse. Since we have evidence that this happened, we now know there were no steps and the 10 cubit difference indicates space between the chamber top and the temple proper. So a loft, if you want to call it that. As we proceed into the temple and get closer to the Holy of Holies, the decorations become increasingly more valuable and more ornate. This opulent progression shows the movement from profane space to sacred space to finally the most sacred space. One thing we can always should keep in mind is that the temple was God's palace and the luxurious decor reflected his status as king. Well, that about concludes our time together today. I hope you enjoyed our look at the interior of Solomon's temple. Again, today's talk came from the April 1994 issue of Bible Review and is titled Inside Solomon's Temple by Victor Hurwitz. You can find this article in its entirety, along with some mar marvelous photographs and drawings, at www.baslibrary.org. I hope you will join us Monday for our talk on the lessons we can learn from Esther. As always, I enjoy hearing from you. I can be reached at kimg.pastandpresentpodcast at gmail.com. We can also be found on Twitter at, at podcast underscore past. Our Facebook pages for more devotions and inspiration are Rebirth Network and Rebirth Encouraged, both with a purple heart between the words. Again, this is Kim Groves, hoping you stay blessed and unstressed and unbothered by the rest. <laughs>
God's 